verses 23 through 27. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier and also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says they divided my garments among them and for my clothing, they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Lord, would you take your word and by it, would you change us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Give your attention, if you would, to this commercial that recently came out. Leave it to the makers of laundry detergent to make mothers sappy on Mother's Day, right? Hey, listen, that um, I recognize that not every mother does the laundry in their house. And, and I also recognize that some mothers work. And not every mother has that kind of vision of grandeur of motherhood. Um, so for those of you who work and those of you um, who have trained your children, can I get an amen to do, do their own laundry? Listen, we are so grateful for you. But this commercial does cause me to sometimes wonder, what, what can I possibly give my wife, a mother, who has the most, um, she has the hardest job in the world, overworked and very underpaid. Um, we try to wonder what we should give mothers for Mother's Day. Carnations, that's a pretty popular gift for churches to give moms on Mother's Day. 
we're not giving you a carnation today. You know why we're, what we're giving you? We're giving you a seashell. Do you know why we're giving you a seashell? I have no idea. Because it's random. Just like your vision of motherhood was once beautiful and glorious, this carnation that you thought, oh, this is going to be wonderful. And you know what you got? You got a seashell. You got a life that was very random. Listen, sometimes your little boy brings you like a first-class booger as a gift. And sometimes your daughter gives you a piece of paper that is like saturated in purple glitter pen. This is, this is, these are, this is your life, mom. And you know what's amazing, mothers? Like, I know I'm talking to mothers here. This applies to every single one of us, though. The thing that mothers need is you don't need carnations. You don't need nice flowers. You don't need shiny things in a box. What you really need is what writer Ann Voskamp says. What you really need is a truckload of grace. It's amazing to me that Jesus is hanging on the cross. You know the last person he talks to was his disciple John. And why does he talk to his disciple John? Because Jesus is making plans for how to care for his mom. Any of you struggling on how to care for your mother in this room? Some of you have young moms. That's fantastic. And some of you have older mothers that are getting up there in age, and you're the one who has to care for them. Do you know Jesus knows what that's like? You ever thought about that? Like he's caring for his mother on the cross. And what you need, moms, you do not need more how-tos. You do not need more recipes to raise great children. You do not need more baby Einstein videos. You do not need greater homeschooling techniques. You do not need a more, another meeting with the PTO. You do not need another recipe with kale and quinoa. What you need is you need a truckload of grace. What is grace? You can't earn it. You do not deserve it. You cannot try harder to get it. But by it, it makes you beautiful. That's grace. So I want us to look at the passage that Kendall read for us in John 19. And I want us to think, how do you get this grace? This grace that every mother and every soul in this room needs. Grace. Grace that buries your fears because you're afraid your faith isn't enough. Grace that your faults are too many. Grace that washes your dirty wounds and ruins the devil's lies. Grace that says you do not have to try to measure up to anyone else. You know why? Because Jesus came down. And he measures you as good enough, worthy enough, love enough. Grace embraces you before you prove anything. And after you've done everything wrong, grace holds you and everything else falls apart and whispers that everything is really falling together, as they often have said. You don't earn grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your doing. It's a gift of God so that no mother or no father, no child can boast. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Um, can I just let Scripture pour over you for a few minutes? You, you don't deserve it. Romans 2, 12. For all have sinned, or who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. 
Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, who God put forward as a propitiation, that is a sacrifice by his blood to be received by faith. Listen, you do not get grace by trying harder. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our insecurities like the wind take us away. Or Jeremiah chapter 2, when Jeremiah says, Be shocked, O heavens. Be utterly desolate, says the Lord, for my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they have hewn for themselves cisterns broken cisterns that can hold no water. Moms, today you do not need four words of encouragement about how to be a better mom. You're worn out by then. What you need is a truckload of grace. Do you know that? Because of grace, you are made beautiful. Zechariah 2.8 says, for thus says the Lord of hosts, after his glory sent me to the nations, he plundered you. For he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. Do you know what Zechariah is saying? He's saying, listen, do you know what? You and you and you and you and all of us together as his church are the apple of his eye. That's big time love, people. Or Isaiah 43, 3-7, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, I give Egypt as your ransom, and I give Cush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you and peoples in exchange for your life, for fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, every mother, every father, every child. I have made who made me. I created them and formed them for my glory. Listen, how does grace come to us? A lot of you moms are worn out because you're constantly trying to get into the upper stratosphere of motherhood. Like, if you can just do one more thing to keep your house in order, if you can just make sure your kids end up well-behaved and, you know, make the honor roll and make National Merit Scholar and listen to the right things, and you catechize them by the time they're four, and if you homeschool them until they're out of high school, or if you public school them, you get them into the TAC program because they're the top 1%. Listen, what you need is a truckload of grace. Because only grace, only in grace do you see a love that's stronger than death. And can we be really honest here? You're dying a thousand deaths every day. Don't you know it? You thought motherhood was going to be like a beautiful carnation to you. It's like a garbage. The Lord has called you to be mothers, and he's called you to rest in the gospel now more than ever in your life. Because you're going to use your vacuum over trodden popcorn, and you're going to feel like you look horrible, and your husband's going to come in from work one day, and you're going to feel like a, you know, you're going to just feel worn out because you've been picking up gum from the bottom of your coffee table, 
And you know what you need? You need to remember who your God is. Right? How does grace come to us? First, grace comes to us through being with Jesus. In this text, in John chapter 19, you see the story of Mary at the foot of her son. It is a combination of humanity and horror in one image. And Mary is here. Mary is the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet she only appears two times in John's gospel, at the beginning of his earthly ministry and at the foot of the cross. Mary shows up first in John chapter 2 at the wedding of Cana, doesn't she? And she says the greatest command that we should all hear, servants, do whatever he tells you. Pretty good advice. Because they're at a wedding, and the wine has run out. And she says, to Je- hey, Jesus, let's go. Let's do this Messiah thing. Let's make this happen. And Jesus rebukes her and says in very direct, even harsh terms, woman, children, I do not suggest you ever call your mother woman. Woman, my hour has not yet come. And what hour was he talking about? The hour here, where he is on the cross. And if you flip back a couple of chapters in John, in John chapter 15, it says in verse 32, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. All of the sheep have been scattered, all of the disciples have taken off. We don't know how many there were there. We only see that John was there. We think it's John, the beloved disciple. Most scholars believe it was John. We have no reason to doubt otherwise. And here is John at the foot of the cross. And Jesus says to John, John, behold your mother. Jesus had half-brothers. Why didn't he give her to them? Well, probably because they didn't yet believe. And he wanted his mother to be in the gospel. Jesus knew the hour was coming. He always knew the hour was coming. Jesus is eternally God. He always existed. And yet why, Jesus, would you wait till this moment before you tell your mother what she's going to do after you die? He could have written out his will long before this. Why? He didn't. Because he needed, he needed, he knew that even his mother needed a fresh load of grace. How do we get grace? You don't become more like Jesus by trying harder, but by being with him. I'm going to say that again because you may not have heard me right. You don't become more like Jesus by trying harder to be like Jesus. You become like Jesus by being with him. And you may know this, but. In John, after, the, after Jesus died and rose, after the ascension, after Pentecost, you know, the, the disciples scattered. And John, tradition has it, went to Ephesus. So Mary, if you go to Ephesus today, you can see the burial place of the apostle John and also of whom? Of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Why? Why is Mary buried in Ephesus? Because she was in John's care. Some people read this verse and they have said, well, listen, it's because the church is under Mary. Jesus gives the church to Mary. No, 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 that's not what the text says. It says Mary goes into John's house. Mary 
goes into the disciples' home, and he finishes all the days of his life. And where does John write the Gospel of John? He writes the Gospel of John from Ephesus. That's no surprise, is it? I mean, that's where he lived. And how do you think John got so much unique data about the story and the life of Jesus? Because he's got a pretty good eyewitness. You know, the, the Gospel of John is called the canonical gospel, not the synoptic gospel. The synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They tell relatively similar interchanging stories. There's a lot of overlap, but John seems to be a different kind of gospel altogether. Why? Well, because I don't think Matthew, Mark, or Luke had Mary to help them fill it out. Gifted by the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Lord himself. But Mary is here to help John with more details, perhaps, about the life of Jesus and the implications of that life than Matthew, Mark, or Luke had. Ever thought about that? So here's Mary, and I can only imagine John writing this gospel and hearing Mary help him shape and craft this, right? But Mary's one of those mothers where John like, wants to say, well, let me put you in there. No, 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 no. This is Jesus' story. This isn't mine. Don't put me in there at all. So John slips her in and only keeps that official. Very beginning and the very end is a testimony to the praise and glory of Jesus' mother, who is just a woman who is not to be worshipped, but she is to be respected and be honored. It's funny, in the evangelical church today, um, people sometimes who become Eastern Orthodox, even who become Roman Catholic, one of the things they say is, like, the church never, like, even shows an ounce of respect for Jesus' mother. She's a pretty big deal. Yes, she is. And she's also a pretty big sinner, just like me and just like you. And she needed a truckload of grace. And Jesus gives it to her even until the very, very end of the cross. Jesus, Jesus gives his mother to his beloved disciple John to be cared for. And we don't know if Mary yet believed in the gospel, but we do know that by the time of the resurrection came, she did. And Jesus, Mary's own son, was the one who justified her in the eyes of God the Father. John Bunyan describes justification as a great mystery. He says, indeed, this is the greatest mystery in the world, namely that a righteousness that resides in heaven should justify me, a sinner. In other words, Mary is sitting at the foot of the cross. Do you think she's thinking about all those wonderful times when she was a perfect mom? Her son is in agonizing pain. Moms, you know this in part because you've seen your children in pain. And some of you, I know, have had the horrifying experience of having buried your children. It is not natural in our eyes. It is not the way God intended it to be. And here's Mary at the foot of the cross of Jesus. And she's finding hope in the finished work of his son. Sinclair Ferguson says it like this, when I know that Christ is the real sacrifice for my sin, that his work on my behalf has been accepted by God, that he is my heavenly intercessor, then his blood is the antidote to the poison and voices that echo in my conscience, condemning me for my many failures. Indeed, Christ's shed blood chokes them into silence. Listen, you want to know how grace comes to you? It comes to you in prayer. 
That's a hot commodity for moms, isn't it? It comes not by you trying to be like Jesus, not trying to be super mom, not trying to get the metaphorical mom of the year award. It comes to you by resting in Jesus. Listen, I know, I know that you think that you are not a good mom. Can I help you? You are a good mom. Do you remember the super granny? Do you remember Barbara who was 69 years old? She was watching her children. You heard this story, and her little her, her grandkids got into her car, and they somehow got the emergency brake off, and they didn't realize that the baby was behind the car. And the car rolled on top of her grandkids. And Barbara, at the young age of 69, went into the garage, and as any of you would also do, she grabs the bumper of that car, and she lifts the car off of her child, uh, grandchild, moves the child out of the way, calls the ambulance, they come and get the baby. And for years after this experience, have you heard this story? Like for years after this episode, people wanted to interview her to understand how Super Granny had this amazing strength of adrenaline in the moment to free her grandchild. And she refused to give an interview. And one day a reporter pinned her down and they said, listen, Barbara, your story is amazing. Would you let us talk to you about it? And she looked at him with tears in her eyes and she responded, I realized after that happened that I had strength I didn't know I had. And I began to wonder what else I could have done with my life that I had not done. Listen, I know some of you moms are worn out. And you're tired. And that's okay. And you need to check in and rest. Because only in grace is there a love that says I am blessed. And you buy a thousand deaths for a few days. You receive grace in faith because it's by being with Jesus, not trying to be like Jesus, that you actually become more like Jesus. Not only in prayer, but let's get really practical. You receive grace in the liturgy of motherhood. Now, what do I mean? Liturgy is a fancy word that just means rhythm or pattern or the style. Every church has a liturgy, whether they want to say it or not. Every family has a kind of liturgy, whether you know it or not. You have dinner at this time. The kids are washing their, uh, getting to bed by this time. If you're a family like mine, they're seeking candy at this time. You know, listen, every one of your families has a liturgy. And the liturgy of motherhood is the place of grace for you. When a mother's work is never done, you carry your baby on your hip. You, you, you're, you're cleaning laundry like Clyde wants you to understand that this is your life. This is where you have victory. This is, these are your small glories. Your hands are full with hugs and high fives and um, unidentifiable do. Um, and many times a day or hour, you wring your hands in frustration. You lift them up in prayer because you are at your wit's end. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit is bringing objective truth to your subjective insecurities. And what he is saying to you is, I know that it's hard to be a mother. But I love you even more. And it's in the midst of the liturgy and the ragamuffin stages of your life right now that you're to experience the grace of God. Listen. Listen. Gloria Foreman wrote a great book called Treasure in Christ, and your hands are full. It's a great book I commend to you moms. 
and she wrote this, only by God's grace can you resist the temptation to treat your children as interruptions to your will for your life. Instead, God enables you to treat your children as precious gifts that he is using to shape you into his image according to his will for your life. Your heavenly father reigns over all things. Your called battery dies in the parking lot after a play date. At the same time, your overtired children reach their limits. Any amens? A pacifier falls from the baby's mouth just as the baby nods off to sleep. Nothing, nothing happens without the sovereign Lord ordaining it. He is trustworthy, he is praiseworthy in every circumstance. Jesus rebukes his mother in John chapter 2. He gives them the wine, the good wine at the wedding. Even still, he turns the bad wine into the great wine. And it's so good, they even brag about it to themselves at the party. Because Jesus is forming for his mother Mary a picture of one day, someday, when Jesus, he will be offered the bad, sour wine on the cross and yet reject it because he's offering the best wine, his own body. And moms, that's what you have to come back to again and again and again. And fathers, that's what you have to help model for your wives. It's easy for us on Mother's Day to raise moms up and to say, we're proud of you, and we indeed we are. But fathers, you have a role to do too. And that is, you've got to give your wife space to grow. You've got to fight for her in prayer. She is overworked and underpaid. I don't care about your job. She's overworked and underpaid. And do you fight for your wife? Do you pray for her? In a patriarchal society, it would have made a lot of sense for the Lord to have spoken through Abraham to Israel, honor your father. But he didn't just say, honor your father, did he? No. In a patriarchal society, that's what you would expect. But he says, honor your father and your mother. And children, with as much force and vigor and fear that you um, live in the presence of your father, you should also live with the same respect in front of your mother. For she is to be obeyed and cherished just the same. She should not have to raise her voice today. She should be able um, to lead you well because she's your mother. And children, you should pray for your moms too. You're never too young to pray for your moms. So how does grace come to us? Grace comes to us by being in his presence in prayer. It comes to us in the liturgy of motherhood. It comes to us also when you least expect it. It's grace. You get it when you don't expect it. It's precisely at that point when you are not crying to God, God, give me. It's at the point when you are utterly desperate, just trying to survive the day that God gives you grace. Paul cried out to the Lord in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Lord, I have a thorn in my side. Would you please take it from me? We don't know if this was poor eyesight or what it was in Paul's life. But he was tormented by this. And the Lord says through the apostle Paul, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. And stunned, the Apostle Paul then says, well, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Grace comes when you least expect it. And every woman bears the unique imprint of the character of God and the way you bear the imprint and when you bear the imprint often comes at the times when you're in the crucible of sexual and daily warping work of your life. You know that God the Father is often described as a father, but do you also know that he's often described as a mother? 
He called him the father, and you should rightly give him the male pronoun. But listen to passages of Scripture. In Isaiah 42, 14, he says, His wrath is like a woman in labor. And look out. Numbers eleven twelve, he says, His love is like a mother nursing her children. It doesn't get any more maternal and tender than that. In Isaiah 49, it says, Even a mother does not forget the child she nurses. He will not forget you. Isaiah 46, it says, God has carried his people since before their birth. And Hosea, it gives distinctly maternal qualities to God. When Hosea says, God says through Hosea, it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, the role of a mother in the ancient Near East. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I was to them like those who lift infants through their cheeks. I bent down to them, and I fed them. These are qualities of a mom. And the Lord God is saying to you, women, you reflect a unique aspect of the Lord when you love your children well. And never more so than in the craziness of the warp and woof of your weekly life. You get grace through prayer. You get grace through the liturgy of motherhood. Grace comes to you when you least expect it. And lastly, grace comes through the worship of God's people. Mary is seen at the foot of the cross. It's where humanity and horror meet. A mother watching her child die a horrible, brutal death. She knew this was her coming because Simeon had said to her, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary that thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Never more in Mary's life did she need grace than when she's watching her child die. And grace is always the place where humanity and horror meet you. Humanly speaking, you cannot do it anymore. And the horror of failing once again clothes you like just this wet blanket. And God comes to bring the blowtorch of his grace, the furnace the fireplace of his love to you to dry you up and to comfort you in his wrangling. So here's Mary and Jesus. It is Jesus she follows, even though she may not have fully grasped who he was until after the resurrection. Mary had a perfect child, and yet she was not perfect. She knew what it was like to understand failure. Her child was perfect. You think that only exacerbated her sense of insecurity? And yet here at the cross, she sees the care of her son into the arms of John to hold him there. And in so doing, it's like John is reminding the church, church, behold your mother. They are beautiful and precious in my sight. Because through them, I give the world beautiful glimpses of my grace. And mothers and those who long to be mothers and every soul in this room, what you need today is a truckload of grace. Because beneath your own insecurities are your feelings of utter failure before a holy God. And he holds out to you his love and his embrace. And you can have that embrace by faith in his finished work for you. You need a truckload of grace. Because you need a a love that is stronger than death. And you only see that on the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ.
So friends, on this Mother's Day, give your mother the greatest gift she could ever receive. Give her space, her voice, cuddle her as she screams, give her a break, and point her to the finished work of her Savior who says to her, my love is enough. My grace is what you need. You have good mother, and I'll tell you why. And for those of you who don't yet believe in Jesus, today is the day of salvation for you. When you come to this table in just a moment, please run to it in faith because of his finished work for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, would you help us? Would you help us to love our mothers well by modeling for them grace in our own life, by spending time with you, by communing with you, not trying to find another technique to be a better Christian, but by being with you because your presence is enough for us. And would you whisper over every mother, every child, every father, every soul in this room, my love is enough. Rest in my grace and come to this table in joy. In Jesus' name. Now come part of the service where we come before the Lord and we give him our uh, tithes and gifts and offerings. So why don't you join me as we approach our living God. Oh, Redeemer God and Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. For everything comes from your hand, O Lord. You are the source of all good. Through and by our Savior, Jesus Christ, we are, we are heirs to your kingdom. And you sustain us in all things in this life. Even the breath we take right now, we know it comes from you, O Lord. Lord, we pray that you give us um, acts of joy because of this. Make us um, glad and, and generous and give us a zeal for your gospel. We pray, O Lord, that you will bless the, uh, the tithes and the gifts and offering that you give you. We pray that you use them uh, in our communities. And throughout the world, that the name of Jesus Christ will be lifted up. And it's his name we pray. Amen.